You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Good morning. Happy Sunday. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna Live. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu. And on this edition, we're going to be kicking off our build-up to Arsenal versus Newcastle United in the Premier League. The game takes place, of course, on Monday evening. Arsenal held to a frustrating draw last time out against Crystal Palace. We've spoken about that one at length. We put a couple of shows out off the back of that. Uh, result and performance. So we're going to be uh, kind of referring back to certain points, but our key focus here uh, is not the Mesut Ozil news. It's not any players that we're being linked with. Our focus on this edition of the podcast is going to be solely on that game uh, coming up uh, against Newcastle United, unless you guys have some other questions that you want to ask a little bit later on in the show. Um, big hello to uh, everybody joining us in the live chat at the moment. Uh, a couple of you mentioning that you're not getting the notifications when we go live on YouTube. Um, I have contacted YouTube about that because I know it's an issue that quite a few of you have experienced over the last few days or so. I've had a, a five or six messages from five or six different people uh, making me aware of that. Unfortunately, it's not something I can control. I schedule the broadcasts at my end, uh, but I'm not sure why those notifications are not coming through. Uh, I have been onto YouTube and they say there is no issue. So I don't know um, how we're going to get around that, how we're going to resolve that. But if you are a member, um, I will always post ahead of time in the Discord server. Uh, so you'll be able to get a little bit of a heads up as to when it is uh, that we're going to be going live. So I appreciate your patience with the situation. But unfortunately, it's not something I can uh, do anything about, which is a little bit annoying. Um, but thank you for letting me know. Thank you for making me aware. Big hello to John, uh, to Omose, who says, so nice to finally be able to make a live stream, streaming from the US. Uh, welcome, mate. Glad to have you with us live. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, Xander says, good morning, everybody. Said Abdullah says, good morning. How are you, Harry? Yeah, I'm not too bad. A little bit chilly. Probably should have come into the studio a little bit ahead of time and, and pop the heating on instead of just walking in at 9.59 to do the stream because I am a little bit cold, I've got to be honest. Uh, big hello to Clement, one of our members joining us from uh, Borneo in Indonesia. Uh, hello to John. Hello to Omar and all the rest of you. Uh, big hello to everybody who's going to be watching this back later on as well. And of course, to those of you who uh, prefer to listen via the audio platforms. Right, without further ado, let's get into it. Arsenal take on Newcastle United in the Premier League tomorrow night. Now, it wasn't the greatest result against Crystal Palace. You know, I think all of us agreed that actually we'd have, we'd have expected Arsenal and our current run of form and the fact that we're very much still chasing the pack. Uh, we'd have, we felt that a win was was necessary. We felt probably going into the game with Crystal Palace, and then this one against Newcastle that we actually needed six points uh, from those games. Now I was a little bit less upset about it. Um, obviously, I, I would have preferred Arsenal to take all three points, but it just wasn't our night. It just wasn't to be. When you actually look back at the game, you know, with an objective sort of hat on, you, you will probably agree that Crystal Palace, I would say, had the best chances. 
Uh, Crystal Palace probably were the the more likely of the two sides to take all three points just based on the chances that they spurned um, in that first half in particular. So, yeah, um, you know, it, it wasn't the greatest Arsenal performance. It wasn't anywhere near the levels that we've seen in the games against Chelsea, West Brom, um, and of course, um, Brighton. So, or the second half against Brighton, I should say. So, yeah, it, look, it wasn't ideal. But as I said previously, and I'll just quickly touch on it once more, I expected seven points from the games against Chelsea, Brighton and West Brom. We got nine. So those two additional points that we made up there, that's what they're for. They're to compensate when we have off days like we did against Crystal Palace. And so a return of of 10 points from a possible 12 when you consider where Arsenal's form was before. And let's be honest, Arsenal's form was in the gutter. You have to take it, you move on. If we pick up three points tomorrow night against Newcastle United, all of a sudden you're talking about 13 from 15. And that's still a very positive return. That's the kind of return that the team's right at the very top of the table uh, would be bringing home. So, Obviously, we're a long way behind and we need to maintain that consistency to close that gap and to get up there and get back in the mix for a Europa League or Champions League place, God willing. But, you know, it's um, we shouldn't overreact to the Crystal Palace result, is my point. Now, what are Newcastle going to bring to the table? Well, we've had the benefit of having a look at Newcastle United um, not that long ago. What, last weekend? Uh, we had a look at Newcastle United in the FA Cup. Obviously, they came to the Emirates. They made it very, very difficult for us. I do expect there to be changes in terms of the personnel that Steve Bruce goes with. I think there are a few players uh, that will probably come back into the picture uh, for the Magpies. But having said that, I expect the, the approach from a tactical perspective to be pretty much as it was. I expect Newcastle to come possibly play with the back five, uh, look to sit very, very deep, operate a mid to low block like they have done so often this season. And and, and it, it's resulted, hasn't it, in a lot of their supporters complaining about it. It's resulted in a lot of pressure being applied on Steve Bruce because the football that Newcastle United have been playing has been dire. Now, when you think about that game against Arsenal in the FA Cup, Newcastle actually did very well to hang in there for the majority of the game. You know, think back to Burn Leno's important save. If Burn Leno doesn't make that save, Arsenal are out of the cup, Newcastle progressing, everybody singing Steve Bruce's praises that he's tactically masterminded a win over Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium. So, you know, very fine margins in football, but their, their style of football is not going to change. It hasn't changed all season. Steve Bruce has played that way against the biggest sides and against most sides, actually, for a lot of his career. I don't expect that to be any different. So I think we know what we're going to face. We're going to face a stubborn team. We're going to come and sit back, defend, try and make it difficult for us. But once again, being the Arsenal, playing at home, having the talent that we have at our disposal, the onus is on us to break that opponent down. And the question is, can we do that or not? I'm pretty confident that if we do that, we win the game. Um, but it is, it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how how we manage the situation. Patience is key in a game like this one. Often, you know, fans will sit there and say, oh, you know, we should be throwing the kitchen sink at them from the very off. And I agree, you know, where you can get the upper hand, where you can uh, be intense, aggressive, you, you should. But 
often with games like this, it is about wearing the opponent down. I said that going into that Newcastle game. I said it going into the Crystal Palace game. And you'd like to think that if we if we keep on top of our game, if we move the ball quickly with a bit of zip, with a bit of tempo, then um, we can uh, we can uh, do that. I was a little bit disappointed in the Crystal Palace game at the fact that we did lack that natural width that Kieran Tierney normally brings us. Obviously, he was unavailable. We know now that the injury news uh, regarding Tierney isn't as bad as first feared. He is, from what we're told, in contention uh, to play this game against Newcastle United, but there are no guarantees he's going to be selected uh, by Mikel Arteta. So we're going to have to hold fire on that. Um, obviously, I'm going to give you my 11 for the game. So, um, you know, uh, don't want to give away any spoilers, but Kieran Tierney um, being in contention would be in my 11. Um, then you've got kind of the, the issue with Gabriel Martinelli, obviously suffered that ankle injury, rolled his ankle uh, in the warm-up ahead of that game against Newcastle United in the FA Cup. Gabriel Martinelli is in contention as well from what we're told. But again, we've had no confirmation and we won't get confirmation until the team is announced um, tomorrow night on, on wh what kind of role those two will play, if any. So we're going to have to hold fire on that. Let's uh, move on to share uh, my starting eleven for this game. And um, we'll discuss it. I'll explain the reasons why I've made the selections I've made. And uh, feel free to let us know your comments uh and, and thoughts in the live chat box. Let's see what you guys are saying before we jump to that, actually. Um, big hello to Femi Cancel. Uh, how you doing, mate? Um, Antoine says, Mark Goldbridge. I don't get where you're going with that. Clearly a Man United fan, but what Mark Goldbridge has to do with our conversation is beyond me. Uh, Alfred J says, Harry looking hairy again. Big up my Greek. <laughs> Everybody keeps commenting. I shaved it off at the start of the week. The beard is coming back. What can I do? Uh, we'll have to deal with it again in due course. Uh, big hello to Sergeus, one of our members uh, calling from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, big hello to Mafia boss uh, Talawa Shaw says, Afternoon, Harry. YouTube notify me late once again. I saw the notification come through a little bit late as well. Again, I can only apologise. Um, I don't know why um, why YouTube are a little bit slow in getting those notifications out. I have been on to them about it, uh, but not sure uh, whether it's something that I can do anything about at this stage. Uh, Jamie says, hello, Harry. Why does this have to be so early? I'm not even out of bed yet. The reason it has to be so early, unfortunately, my friend, is because uh, I am working today. Um, there's lots and lots of football. There's the Spurs game coming up at 2 p.m. We've got the uh, big one. Uh, between uh, Liverpool and Manchester United uh, coming up at 4.30. Really looking forward to that game. Hope they both lose. Um, and of course, uh, we've got from Italy tonight, we've got the massive fixture between Inter and Juve. It's a huge, huge game at the top of Serie A. We'll be discussing that on tomorrow's episode of Simply Serie A. So stay tuned for that. We'll be streaming it on this channel as well. Um, so, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that. But lots of work today. Um, and, uh, yeah, the podcast uh, is dropping early today because I want to get it out so that there's as much time for people to sort of take it in uh, ahead of the Newcastle United game. If I did it tomorrow morning, then 
it wouldn't be a great a, a, a big turnaround time and people will probably miss it um and then obviously once the game takes place it becomes irrelevant so uh that's why but thank you for joining us anyway and you can watch youtube from your bed what's the problem <laughs> uh, omar says we won't have 120 minutes like last time so we have to get the job done uh yeah of course no extra time in the premier league um shane Geraghty says early goals are the key to opening up low block teams we need to start fast just like we did against West Brom. Yeah, early goals massively help because obviously you can put a dent in uh, in their game plan very early doors and then it means that they have to change strategy. strategy. Um, and we know that somebody like Steve Bruce um, is a little bit one-dimensional in that sense. You know, when you've been preparing all week for a game and you've been preparing to go into it with a very defensive and negative mindset, it's not easy to change that up uh, when you can see the goal. So we have to, uh, yeah, you know, getting an early goal certainly uh, certainly helps. Uh, Alfred J says, no warm-up for Martinelli, just stretching only. Um, John P says, Ceballos and Luis need dropping just for how, how they slow the game down. I think in Ceballos' case in particular, one of the things that you could probably... Uh, level as a bit of a criticism at him is that he does take too many touches in certain situations. I think David Lewis does that as well, but more so in David Lewis's case, I think he does it because he's bringing the ball out of the defence and you can see him, you know, while he's taking those touches, he's just, he's looking around. He's always looking for something, some kind of movement, something to happen. And more often than not, it doesn't come. And that's why David Lewis, I think, takes the extra touches when he's bringing the ball out of the defence. But I do agree with you in terms of our progression of the ball. Um, although David Lewis is better than most at progressing it, he does take a few touches because he is always looking for that defence splitting pass. And if the run doesn't come, then you could see him sort of hesitating, slowing the game down. So Bios, uh, as well, certainly takes too many touches in certain situations. Um you never know what you're going to get from Danny Ceballos, though. You know, sometimes he is he is fantastic and, and other times he's he's not. Um, blows very hot and cold. And I think that's that's probably why there are still a lot of Arsenal fans out there who are a little bit sceptical about whether or not uh, bringing him back was for another season was a good idea. Uh, DJ Jazz says, big up from Denmark. Great channel, Harry. Thank you so much, mate. Thank you for joining us. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, f 32 says we need to drop Oba. Sergei says, Harry's also accommodating the viewers from around the world in response to the comment about our start time today. Yeah, there's that to take into consideration as well, mate, um, for sure. Um, during the week, we're trying to stick religiously to 12.30 and 4.30 p.m. streams. Um, we're going to add another one on a couple of nights a week as well. Um, that's in the pipeline for, for uh, if not next week, the week after. And of course, uh, we try to stick to the times, but... Um, you know, we've got to, uh, sometimes I've got to accommodate my job as well. Um, which is uh, why we've set up our membership scheme, because it would be a great help if we could get more members on board. And then that way I could prioritize the channel over certain bits of work that I'm not necessarily uh, majorly excited about doing. Let's put it that way. Um, if you want to become a member of the Chronicles of Aguna, and you'll notice in the live chat, there are a number of people with the little icon next to their name. That is because they are members. They have signed up with the channel. If you wish to support the channel and receive uh, a number of membership perks, then if you click the link in the description, it will take you to our membership landing page. 
you will be able to choose which tier, if any, uh, appeals to you from there. And uh, yeah, we'd love to have more of you on board. And we've got a fans phone in show coming live tonight at 10 p.m. UK time. Uh, don't forget our platinum members. You get priority on that fans show. Um, we'll be taking calls from everyone, of course. Uh, so it doesn't mean that if you're not a member, you can't call in tonight. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but we will definitely be getting our platinum members on that register their interest. And if you want to register your interest, all you need to do is DM me at Chronicles underscore AFC on Twitter. So, yeah. Um, right. Let's get back to the chat. Uh, John Knott says, uh, looking forward to seeing Partey get a good run out. Of course, Thomas Partey, uh, we think is going to be uh, starting uh, tomorrow night. Mikel Arteta didn't really want to say one way or the other, but he did say that he's pushing, that he is feeling good uh, after that sort of cameo appearance against Crystal Palace. And so, uh, yeah, fingers crossed we do see him back in the side because I think we can all agree uh, that he is uh, he is a top uh, top midfield player. Clement says that uh, Mary and Gabriel is now our best central defensive partnership. Um, John P talks about the, the ball progression that he brought up a little bit earlier on and the fact that David Lewis maybe slows it down a bit. He says Marie takes just two touches and gives it to Tierney. Um, what else have we got here? Hold fire on your questions because I'll come uh, to those uh, in a little bit. Uh, so hold on to them and uh, we'll uh, we'll come to those in a minute. Let me just share with you guys uh, my uh, starting uh, lineup for the game against Newcastle United. Then again, I have to stress that this is my starting lineup. Um, that's all it is. So don't jump on me. Don't give me shit about it. This is my starting lineup. So... Um, Oh, I forgot to make one change there. I forgot to make one change. Let me uh, just quickly do that. But I'll start with the goalkeeper anyway while I'm uh, while I'm talking you through it. Um, so let's start with Bern Leno in goal. Um, you know, Bern Leno is so, so important to this Arsenal team. He's head and shoulders um, above our other options in the goalkeeping department. You know, we're talking about alternatives such as Alex Renatsen, who just doesn't look good enough based on what we've seen so far. I know it's very early days in, in Renatsen's Arsenal career and perhaps we should give him a, a few more opportunities before we make such a strong judgment on him. But for me, um, you know, there's no there's no debate in this one. Bern Leno in between the sticks. And I think on that, we can all agree. Back four, I've gone with Hector Bayerin at right back. I've gone with Rob Holding uh, at centre-back. Alongside Gabriel, I've brought Gabriel back into the side, obviously didn't feature against Crystal Palace, but was back on the bench. Uh, he had COVID and he was out for a little while, was in isolation. But according to Mikel Arteta, the symptoms were very minimal and he's feeling good again. He's had another full week of training. So Gabriel comes in at centre-back uh, for me. Uh, Kieran Tierney starts at left-back. That is obviously uh, with the caveat of if uh, he is deemed fit enough to start and if he's shaken off that problem that kept him out of the Crystal Palace game. Uh, so that's my back four. Bellerin holding Gabriel and Tierney. I think Gabriel and holding were starting to show signs of a decent partnership. Pablo Marie came in um, in place of Gabriel and also showed that he's up to the task. He also formed a, a pretty good understanding uh, with Rob Holding as well. David Lewis played midweek. Um, it was only on Thursday. So for me, I'd make that change. I'd go Gabriel Holding, Bellerin and Tierney as my back four. In the midfield, I'd go with Granit Xhaka. 
I think he's been brilliant of late. Um, I know there was a mixed reaction to his performance against Crystal Palace the other night, but for me, that that was completely unjustified. Gave the ball away on a few occasions, probably more than he normally does, but that was because Granite Xhaka was trying to progress the ball. And, and, and the same people that sit there and slag Granite Xhaka off and say he doesn't try those passes, he just plays it sideways, he always takes the easy option, were the same people then criticising him uh, for for trying to play those passes and then, as a result, giving the ball away on the odd occasion. Think back to Alexis Sanchez's days, and I make this point quite regularly, but he gave the ball away more than any other Arsenal player at times. And that was because he was always trying to make things happen. Comes with the territory. You try and make things happen in the final third. You try and progress the ball. You're going to give it away because the risk of those passes is far greater than playing a five-yard pass square of you to your central midfield partner. So that's uh, that's that. I, th- I thought he made some incredibly important defensive contributions against Palace. There was one in the first half where I think it was Wilfred Zaha who had found a little bit of room in our penalty area and across came Granite Xhaka with a really strong, sturdy sliding challenge to, to prevent that. And then, of course, that brilliant run he made back where he covered in between the two centre-halves after the runs of uh, Christian Benteke and Wilfred Zaha pulled them completely apart and left a gaping hole uh, on the edge of our penalty area. Alongside him, I'd go with Thomas Partey. If he's fit enough, Thomas Partey has to walk straight back into this side. We spent £45 million on the guy, activated his release clause on transfer deadline day because we really felt that he could make a difference to this side. And although he's only been able to play a handful of games for Arsenal so far, I think we can all agree that he is our best midfielder and somebody who uh, we should be looking to build around. I think him and Xhaka gives you the best balance in terms of a double pivot in midfield. And so I'd be interested to see with Granit Xhaka currently on some really good form and Thomas Partey coming back into the picture, how those two get on as a pairing. Ahead of them, I've gone with Emil Smith-Rowe. Didn't think he had his greatest game uh, against Crystal Palace midweek, but I felt that that was partly because Arsenal's tactics were a little bit wrong in the sense of the focus being... um, you know, very much down the middle, which is what Crystal Palace would have wanted. It's the way Crystal Palace would have found it easiest to defend two compact banks of four. Um, You know, I didn't think we exploited the wide areas well enough. I think the absence of Kieran Tierney played a massive part in that. But Emil Smith-Rowe's 20 years old. And, you know, this is going to happen. I've said it time and time again, when you're bringing these youngsters in and when you're essentially relying on these youngsters to deliver, there will be weeks where they don't. And, you know, you have to look at the senior players to drag you through. Unfortunately, at Arsenal, it's not been that way around of late. It's been the other way around. Senior players have, haven't performed and the youngsters have been dragging them through games. Uh, but yeah, look, he, he wasn't amazing the other night, but I didn't think he was particularly bad either. Smithrow is our only player, I think, uh, with that profile at the moment. Uh, and so he plays for me. On the right, I've gone with Bukayo Saka. He's been so good there of late again. Not his greatest game against Crystal Palace. Gave the ball away a few times, uh, a little bit cheaply, maybe wasted some situations. But again, his recent form overall uh, certainly warrants a starting place uh, for him. On the left-hand side, I've gone with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Um, lots of criticism came his way again after that Crystal Palace game. I thought at the start of the second half for a 15 15- minute-ish period. He was playing that left wing role really well, but without Kieran Tierney 
bombing on the outside and taking people away and creating that half space for him just in field, you could see that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was a little bit isolated again. Um, he did score against Newcastle in the FA Cup, so you'd hope that he can replicate that in this game. Uh, but yeah, uh, obviously question marks around whether Gabriel Martinelli is available. I wouldn't risk him uh, from the start uh, because, again, you know, it's a very quick turnaround. Is he as important to the side as Kieran Tierney right now? I would argue no. Um, and that's why I'd take a, a bigger risk on uh, on Kieran Tierney. Well, that's why I'd throw Kieran Tierney straight back in uh, if available and, and maybe leave Gabriel Martinelli for one more game. Um, I wrote a really, uh, well, a piece that I, I enjoyed writing, a uh, really enjoyable one for 90 Min on uh, Kieran Tierney and the impact he's had and why he's emerged as Arsenal's most creative outlet in recent weeks. Check it out. It's on 90min.com. Uh, I shared the link on our community tab in the YouTube channel. So check that out if you haven't already. Uh, show some love to the article. And over the next few months, I'll be bringing you more uh, Arsenal coverage for 90min.com. So stay tuned for that. Obviously, I'll be sharing those posts on my social uh, channels. Up top, I've gone with Alexander Lacazette. I think of late, he's combined really well with Smith Rowe and Saka. Again, a little bit isolated in the game against uh, Crystal Palace the other night, but I think his performances over recent weeks have have been enough um, to to warrant him maintaining his place. I would say. Right, let's move uh, back to the chat box. See what you guys are saying on my team selection. Um, Whilst you get your thoughts in on the team selection, I'm going to pick up a couple of other points. Uh, Stel Stiliano of Shoot the Defence. If you haven't already, check out the Shoot the Defence podcast. It's brilliant. Uh, it's climbing up the podcast charts uh, in a number of different countries. Uh, so make sure you check out Stel's show. It's really, really good. He says, Harry, do you think Gintuzi has a future at the club under Arteta? Seems as if his move to Germany was to knock him down a couple of pegs. I'm not really sure on Gintuzi still because... As I've, I've I've kind of talked about previously, Matteo Genduzzi's current Arsenal contract, by the time he returns, will have just a year left on it. Will Arsenal decide that actually at that point it's probably best to cash in on him or will they bring him back and run the risk of his contract potentially um, running down? Because, you know, Matteo Genduzzi and Mikel Arteta clearly don't see eye to eye. If he was to return, not get the game time he feels he deserves, not get the opportunities uh, he thinks a uh, uh, sort of uh, he's deserving of then will he run down the contract and then walk away on a free in which case it would be a bit of a shame so I don't know if Arsenal will take that risk on on Matteo Genduzzi's contract uh, there's been a lot of talk about them bringing him back during this window um, don't know about that yet Personally, I, I'm not sure it's going to happen. But Hertha Berlin have made it clear that they won't be able to afford Matteo Genduzzi. They won't be able to meet Arsenal's current asking price on the player in the summer. So he, his future very well, very much will be up in the air still. I, I, I don't know um, is the honest answer to that. My guess would be that the club won't take the risk. And, and if they do get him back from Hertha Berlin in the summer, uh, they'll be looking to sell him and cash in on him. Uh, you know, you've got to think as well. Matteo Genduzzi didn't cost Arsenal a great deal of money. We're talking seven, eight million pounds, which nowadays feels a little bit sort of insignificant. So, you know, if Arsenal can make even a five, six, seven million pound profit on Matteo Genduzzi, I think they'll they'll still consider that. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I personally, if I had to guess, I, I think it's hard right now to see a future for Matteo at Arsenal. I've got to be honest. 
Big hello to uh, DJ Funks. He says, hi, mate. Keep on with the progress. Any idea why Arteta favours and repeatedly plays in Ketia rather than try someone like Balogun? Bringing on Eddie at nil-nil to make an impact is not good enough. My my thoughts on Eddie and Ketia are clear. Um, I don't particularly rate the kid. I don't think he's he's quite Arsenal standard. But following Balogun simply hasn't committed his future to Arsenal Football Club at the moment. So why would you give him minutes um, and give him the opportunity to develop if that development is going to be best used or, or is, if that development is going to benefit somebody else uh, come the end of the season? He's been heavily linked with a move away from the club. RB Leipzig in the Bundesliga, strong candidates to take him as our Stuttgart from what we understand. Um so, yeah, I just think Mikel Arteta knows that Eddie's going to be here next season and that's why he'd rather give him the game time um, than, uh, than give it to Balogun at the moment. You know, if Balogun signs on the dotted line, commits his future to Arsenal, then the situation changes. But right now, I think that's why Mikel has taken the stance he has. And, and, and I've got to say, I think it probably uh, makes sense. Um, John P says, agree on the team. I think that is what Arteta will do too. Graham Sutherland singing uh, Berleno's praises uh, and says that he is miles better than uh, Chelsea's Edward Mendy. And I was commentating uh, on the uh, the Chelsea game yesterday um, for uh, for. Uh, the VSIN in the United States I went blank there for a second. Um and I and I I look at Mendy every time and I never feel as though he he's one of those goalkeepers you can really rely on. He's you know, there's uh yeah, there's just something about him I don't quite like. Uh you know, he just he just doesn't look comfortable, he just doesn't look safe, he takes risks with the ball at his feet. I know a lot of goalkeepers do that now in the modern game, but there was one instance yesterday where he and Aspilicueta almost got themselves in a mess and allowed Fulham a goal at the point. It was nil-nil. Uh, Matt G says, I have a feeling William will start. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Mikel might look at it and say that Bukayo Saka and Mill Smith Rowe, two young players, for example, uh, both played against Crystal Palace and perhaps he'll feel uh, that you know, he maybe has to give them a bit of a breather. There's also the the kind of thing of if Kieran Tierney isn't deemed fit enough to start, will Mikel Arteta prefer to go with Bukayo Saka at left back? He made that change, didn't he, um, in the game because he felt that Maitland-Niles wasn't doing his job um, and wasn't giving us enough on that left-hand side in an attacking sense. So if Tierney is unavailable, that could potentially see Saka dropping into left back. And then that could mean that there is a place for Willian in the side. Let's see. Uh, Selgeus asks if there's any injury news from a Newcastle perspective. Uh, well, we know that Ryan Fraser uh, will miss the trip to the Emirates Stadium through suspension. He was sent off, of course, uh, during their defeat at Sheffield United on Tuesday night. And he's going to serve a one-match ban. Jamal Lewis could return uh, from a knee problem. And uh, John Joe Shelby is still fighting for fitness. Uh, Jamal Lascelles is also a doubt he'll be assessed as he continues to recover from COVID. Um, Federico Fernandez is said to still be struggling after the effects of the virus. Um, and of course, uh, Alan Saint-Maximan uh, has been out with that with the virus as well. So that's kind of the updates we've got on Newcastle at the moment. But of course, uh, we don't know if anything will change between now and then. We don't know if anything will change, uh, you know, if, if Steve Bruce is maybe keeping his cards close to his chest as well. So uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. 
what else have we got here? Let's see uh, what you guys are saying. Um, let's pick up your comments. Just scrolling through the uh, the comments. A couple of you mentioning Pablo Marie and his impressive performances and how leaving him out of the side. Pablo Marie's injured. Um, he's not available for the game tomorrow night. That's why I've not included him in my starting lineup. Um, I agree. He's been very, very good of late. But Pablo Marie, as Mikel Arteta alluded to, uh, following that Crystal Palace game, has got a, an injury that could keep him out for, and I quote, a few games. So we're gonna we're gonna have to wait and see the the kind of diagnosis on Pablo Marie, how long it's gonna take for him to get back into contention. But right now, um, he he is not available. Ashton Oliver says, "Xhaka is not good enough, Harry. You know it, and I know it. This league is too quick for a brain dead footballer like him. I take a thirty five year old Fernandinho over him. Incredibly harsh words uh, from Ashton." Uh, I think he's been brilliant of late. And uh, so we can agree to disagree on that one. And he certainly warrants a place in that midfield. I mean, are you saying that Elneny's better? Are you saying that Danny Ceballos, who blows hot and cold, is is a, a more assured selection? Nah, not for me. Uh, we agree to disagree on that one. Graham says, I thought Xhaka was excellent the other night, uh, but surely Partey is a replacement for Xhaka and should play with Ceballos. Interesting, but I think that the fact that we clearly rely on our fullbacks to get forward so much means that that pivot has to be a little bit more defensively minded, a little bit more positionally disciplined. And that's why I'd go with, with Xhaka and Partey. Um, that, that, that's my opinion. And I, I, but, you know, obviously there'll be those out there who, who feel that Partey should replace Xhaka. For me, though, I just think in my personal view that those two would give us the best defensive balance because ultimately that's what those two players are in the team to do is to create a platform on which the four ahead of them can go on and cause teams problems and also to be able to help the centre-backs out when the likes of Kieran Tierney and Hector Bellerin bomb up the field to try and support the attack as well. Um, Carrie Tannin asks an interesting question. Could Martinelli play Lacazette's position? I think he's capable of it, but he's been very clear um, hasn't he, Gabriel Martinelli, that he feels he's better operating from that left flank. So it's an interesting one. But I think Martinelli is capable of playing as a centre-forward. I think he's tenacious enough. I think he's, you know, always a willing runner. He'll run channels for you. He'll uh, he'll, he'll relish physical battles. I think um, Gabriel Martinelli, especially once he gets back to full fitness. Uh, so, yeah, um, I think he could do it. Uh, but I'm not sure that with the option of Lacazette uh, available to him, Mikel Arteta will go down uh, will go down that route. Uh, a couple of you suggesting that it's probably time to drop Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Not performing very well at the moment. I think we can all agree on that. I just don't see Mikel Arteta doing it. I think that we're talking about a player who, as I've said previously, has proven throughout his career that he can score goals. Um, he's going for a difficult patch. And I think the only way you come through that patch is by playing football matches, scoring goals and uh, trying to, to to get through it that way. Um, let's see what else you guys are saying. Marshall Ayub says, yo, Harry, will you do a Man United versus Liverpool watch along? I won't be, unfortunately, mate. Um, we'll, we'll be doing a, a watch along of the Arsenal Newcastle game. Uh, we'll definitely be covering the, covering the Arsenal games for now, particularly uh, whilst I'm at home and I can't get to them. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely be uh, we'll definitely be doing um, 
the Arsenal games moving forward. We'll be picking up some other games as well, but it's not going to start from today uh, with Manchester United and Liverpool because, I've, as I mentioned earlier, you probably joined us a little bit late, but as I mentioned earlier, I've got other work commitments today that, that I have to fulfil. So, uh, no, won't be doing that, but I'm also working behind the scenes to improve the watch-alongs. Uh, some of you guys have asked for a couple of things and uh, I'm working on, on getting that implemented. So, no, we're not going to be doing a watch-along of that game. But, um, yeah. Right, uh, let's see what else you guys are saying. My prediction, as Ashton asks for this game, uh, is going to be, drumroll, I'm going to go for the famous old 1-0 to the Arsenal. Um, I know I went for a narrow Arsenal win in the game against Crystal Palace as well. That didn't come off, but yeah, I'm going to go for a 1-0 to the Arsenal on this one. Uh, Gunatel says, bump up the likes, people. Yes, please do. If you haven't already, make sure you smash that like button. It's so, so important. Uh, really, really appreciate that. Uh, don't forget as well, if you want to become a member of the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel, uh, as it says, rolling across the bottom of your screens, all you need to do is click the link in the description for more information on our tiers. You can pick the tier that suits you and hopefully sign up and uh, join uh, the Chronicles of Aguna family is very much appreciated. And a big thank you to everybody who signed up already. I'm truly overwhelmed by the number uh, of people who have already joined us. And we've only been running it for a week. So thank you uh, so, so much. Uh, John asks, uh, how would you feel about playing Partey in the number 10 role to give Smith Rowe a rest in the future like he does for Ghana? He scored a lot of goals for them, kind of Yaya Toure style. Um I'm I'm going to kind of trust your kind of view on that, John. I've I've not really watched Thomas Partey play for Ghana. Um, I'm sure he could play in a more advanced role and do a really good job. Uh, so yeah, I'm not I'm not dead against that. It's not uh, it doesn't sound like the worst shot in the world. But as I say, I've not seen him play for Ghana. But if if people are saying that um, you know he has done that and he has done that effectively, then why the hell not? Um, Let's see what else we've got. Uh, this is an interesting question. Um, Talawa Shaw says, do you think our inconsistencies this season need to be taken with a pinch of salt, seeing as everyone has had its struggles? Or is this an accurate picture of where we are as a club? I think it's a bit of both, mate. The circumstances around football right now are not ideal. You know, we're talking about uh, a manager in Mikel Arteta who's had pretty much no pre-season took over midway through the last season. And then this season, there was the disruption and, and, and there was pretty much no preseason. There was a very quick turnaround. And and when you're trying to change things as a manager and implement things, the, the value of preseason is huge. And in Mikel Arteta's case, what he's had to do when making adjustments is he's had to do them in the, what, two, three-day gaps he gets between each game. And that's probably not helped him. So, I do think his his job has been made a lot more difficult based on the circumstances uh, around the game and the world at the moment. Um, and I do think that some of the results you do need to take with a pinch of salt. I think you're absolutely right. Look, I think 11th is probably, you know, or in the bottom half of the table is probably a little bit, I'm going to say it's not a true reflection of where we are. I think we're actually better than that. I think we're a top half team at least. Not that that's good enough for Arsenal Football Club. Um, but I do think we have to take the inconsistencies with a pinch of salt. I think it's a really good point you make. 
it shouldn't deter from the fact that we do have problems and that we do have issues that we need to resolve. But for me, um, you know, it is a bit of both. It's a really good question, a really good point. Thank you for that. Uh, Selgear says, who would you use as subs and who would be subbed off? That's really difficult to answer, mate, because it completely depends on how the game goes and the performances on the night. You know, you'll, you might look at someone and feel they're not performing. You might look at someone and feel that he's a bit of a weakness and the opposition are exposing that weakness, in which case you would then make that change in game. I think it's impossible to plan substitutions. You know, you can look at someone and think, yeah, I'd uh, I'd like to get him on. Um, I'd like to get him on for 15, 20 minutes. Like we were saying against uh, about Thomas Partey, sorry, in the lead up to the Palace game, we wanted him to to play 15, 20 minutes so that he could get his get some match fitness, get some sharpness under his belt. But you can't, you know, you can plan and say, yeah, I'd like to see this player come over this period of time. But as I say, it's all subject to the game state at the time. So I, I wouldn't like to predict the substitutions. I think it's a really difficult thing to do. And, and I think you can only really do that fairly, having watched the game and seeing how it's unfolding. Uh, Rory, one of our members, says, to be fair, I'm not a big fan of Xhaka, but he's been decent these last few games and deserves his place. He can give Partey the licence to go up and down. Agreed. It's that positional discipline uh, for me with uh, with Granite Xhaka that a lot of people don't really appreciate. Uh, let's go to some of your predictions before we wrap it up. Omar's gone for a 2-1 win. Carrie says 1-0. Uh, John says 4-0. Uh, Alfred says 1-0 to the Arsenal. Jamie uh, says 2-0. Uh, um, yeah, all, all all interesting predictions. This is a really good question. Guna tells us, Harry, do you think Cedric could be an option for left-back cover? And I listened to this point being made on the same old Arsenal podcast. If you haven't already, check out the same old Arsenal podcast. Um, I'm a regular contributor on there along with the rest of the guys. Dan Potts does an excellent job of the team talk show on a Friday night. And looking ahead to this game, he had Warren Barton, former Newcastle man, I'm sure, Many of you will remember him and Kevin Campbell. And they were talking about this. And Warren Barton made an excellent point. He said that when he was playing at Newcastle, Sir Bobby Robson, who was in charge at the time, wanted to give this young fullback some opportunities, wanted to give him some minutes. And what he did was instead of playing uh, someone who was not a fullback on the other side and leaving Warren Barton out, he turned to Warren Barton and he said, I know you're right footed. Or I know, you know, you're going to be playing on your wrong side, but you're experienced enough and tactically aware enough to work out what the position, the same position, but on the other side entails. So you're going to go over there and do that job for me. You know, I think a lot of us would have gone with Ainsley Maitland-Niles in the event that Kieran Tierney was unavailable the other night because he has shown, as I said, that he can do that job before. But it's an interesting way of looking at it because a fullback is a fullback, right? And I know that playing on the right and on the left is different but and it, it handicaps you somewhat playing on your wrong foot but Cedric Suarez will know that fullback position much more than Ainsley Maitland-Niles will because he's grown up playing there it's it, it's it's something that he's played throughout his career he's far more experienced um he's played at the very top level with Portugal he's a European champion etc etc and, and you, you know, it's a really interesting point and admittedly not one that I considered at the time, but Cedric playing on the wrong side or, or even, you know, Mikel Arteta saying to Hector Bellerin, you're the experienced one. You know that that position like the back of your hand, or you should do by now, you're going to go and play on your wrong side. 
and the less experienced guy is going to play on his right side. It's interesting, uh, really interesting uh, thought. And um, thanks for bringing that up, Gunitel, because it was a point that I kind of put in the back of my mind to mention and then it completely escaped me. So thank you uh, for that. Big hello to Freddy Owusu. He says, come on, you gunners, let's smash the magpies uh, tomorrow. Um, right. Uh, we're going to bring uh, this uh, this podcast and this live show to an end. Let's pick out one or two more points before uh, we uh, we lock it off. Marshall says, this channel is so slept on, bro. Hope you hit 20K soon and go from there. I'm sure it's going to get bigger and bigger. Thank you so much, mate, uh, for your uh, really kind words. And thank you to Gogo as well, who says, thanks for giving us a cool, calm and really logical analysis on all things Arsenal. I predict the high scoreline 3-0. Uh, thank you uh, so much. And uh, as I said already, if you haven't, Make sure you smash the like button. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you're considering becoming a member, check it out. Click on the link in the description. We'd love to have you. Come and join our Discord server where we're talking all things Arsenal. And uh, obviously you get a number of other perks available for that as well. Check it out. Your support is very much appreciated. We will be back tonight at 10 p.m. for the fans phone-in show. Remember, if you want to participate in that, all you need to do is DM me at Chronicles underscore AFC. Please send it to that one and not my personal one because that's how I don't miss them, by having them all in the same place. Plus, I get a load of bullshit DMs uh, on my personal one as well that I try, and, uh, I try and avoid. So I don't check that probably as often as I should. But at Chronicles underscore AFC on Twitter, drop us a DM and we will get you involved in the conversation this evening. Right. We'll be back very, very soon. In fact, in around about 11 hours time. Until then, take care of yourselves and stay safe. All the best. Cheers. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.